Boo. You think I'm a good girl? Just wait and see. We're bad girls. This is what we do. I'm the girl that's gonna save your life. Eh, you shot pretty well. For a boy. Can't you handle a woman with a big gun? I put the fun in funeral. I like my men covered in blood. Hail to the queen, baby. I can, and I will. I can, and I will. I'll take a bite out of you. Beware the signs. Welcome back to part one of three. Uh, as always, I'm your mistress of evil, Ella Avella, along with her sister of sin, Ashy Slashy. And our lovely guest for the next three days, M. Grimm. Um, if you haven't cut all of my hints, uh, we are going to be doing The Shining in three parts along with the mini series. Mm hmm. Because uh, this is the season of the king. Yep. And uh, in two days, will be All Hallows Eve. Uh, so we decided to break up our Shining episode into three parts. So we'll have one part today, one part tomorrow, one part on Halloween. Think of it as our Halloween treat for all of you guys. It's Thank a you. trick and treat. Exactly. <laughs> like that. Tomorrow night's the and. <laughs> it's not so exciting. Um, but we'll be doing this in three parts. Uh, tonight we are going to be covering the setup. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be covering Jack, Wendy, and little Andy's. Danny. Danny. Oh, well, yeah, because it's, we'll save that to later. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, journey to the Overlook Hotel. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um. Uh, so, we're going to be discussing the book, the miniseries, and the Kubrick movie, which are three very different creatures. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, so, l let's start up a little bit with the Kubrick. Uh, for years, for years, I hated the Kubrick movie. Uh, because I, I was a diehard King fan, like... I wouldn't go next door to where my neighbor had a St. Bernard for, like, two years because of Cujo. I do not blame you. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. I also read it at 12. I was young and... <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> the doctors have a list. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's that joke in Big Bang Theory, I'm not special, my mommy had me tested. I am special, my mommy had me tested. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so I, I was such a big fan of The Shining uh, also The Shining which I will most likely call it throughout most of this episode do you to get sued? The Shining you oh, The so Shining um, uh, but I, I was I was not a fan of the Kubrick movie mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the setup yes yeah because uh, you look at Jack Nicholson and you're like yeah, you're gonna fucking kill people. He looks like he's about to ready to kill his family on the drive up there. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so here's my first freaky fact. Oh. Are we fucking five minutes into this yes. shit? <laughs> I feel like there's gonna be a lot of freaky facts. Uh, especially about the Kubrick, because the Kubrick one, I, I know a lot of the weird facts about it, and uh, they're not comfy. They're they're freaky. Yeah, oh yeah. Well my 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 freaky facts, I actually only have a couple of like the Shining movie, because I figured you knew a lot about that one, too. So the I was Kubrick like, one? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, Kubrick, so, Stanley Kubrick is a fucking monster. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Numerous ways. But, so my first freaky fact can, um, about Jack Nicholson was that he played it, or he played Jack to be completely crazy all the way from the beginning. Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah, like, he was just like, no, Jack is crazy. Yeah, and I... So you didn't really get that, like... You didn't get the journey. You didn't get the journey. Yeah. yeah. You didn't get to feel for Jack. You didn't get to feel for any of the family. You are just like, holy fuck, he's crazy. Well, also, um, I'm, I'm in not any way going to disparage uh, Wendy from the original. Um, Shelley Duvall is an amazing actress in everything, um, but I would never call Shelley Duvall classically attractive. Yeah. She is unconventionally attractive. Yeah, I think I think she's very stunning. I I feel like she's up there with the girl that plays uh, Missy and Lilith in the new Sabrina, mm. where she's talked about I meant to play witches and bitches in my career. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Shelley Duvall very much has that look. She's very striking. She yeah. was probably the best casting of olive oil that anyone could ever get. Oh yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but Wendy in both the book and the miniseries is described as being uh, the high school prom queen. That the victim. Not not even the victim. She's she's I described, say that. especially in the miniseries. She's definitely not. No, a victim. not in the mini- yeah. In the, or in the book. In the book and the miniseries, she's very strong. In the miniseries and the book, she is. Describe well. She's blonde, first of all, mm-hmm. which you know Shelley Duvall is anything but. <laughs> um, and she is very much a protective mother. Well, she, yeah, she's also very much described as being like an American beauty. Yes. Like she's she's the girl that like was the prom queen in high school that is still the prom queen in her thirties. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she's supposed to be this very naturally stunning person. Same way Jack is shown to be very attractive. Mm-hmm. He's very rugged and stuff like that. And Jack Nicholson, who I love, I mean, a uh, slight little cool story about me. Um, Jack Nicholson poured me my very first alcoholic beverage. I think I remember the story. You told us the story, and it's a very good one. <laughs> uh, my dad was a commercial contractor, and Jack Nicholson had a um, recording studio in his house, which was technically commercial property. Yeah. So my 15th birthday, I got to meet Jack Nicholson, and uh, he poured me whiskey. Probably uh, more expensive whiskey than I've ever had. <laughs> more than likely top shelf stuff. In, in my life. But yeah, my, my first like sip of whiskey, which uh, I'm currently having on this fucking podcast. Oh my. <laughs> well, I think with Jack Nicholson, <sighs> he... <laughs> my whiskey, ah. Uh... Jack Nicholson does crazy very well. Yeah. But also, that's the thing, is is I feel like in that way of Kubrick's movie, even though I've, I've come to really, really, really love it, that is something that I feel like is greatly lost in that film that I feel like goes back to almost making it uh, 80s slasher setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is you look at... Uh, Wendy and Jack and Danny in that original scene in the Cooper film when they're driving up and um, you get the scene where he's having the conversation with uh, the owner of the building. Um, you don't really get the fact that he's, you know he's an alcoholic, but you don't get any feeling like he wants to fix it. Uh, 
you feel no love, I feel like, ever in the beginning between Jack and Wendy. Not at mm-hmm. all. And I feel like by the second scene with Jack Nicholson, you're like, yeah, you're going to try and kill everyone. Yeah. Um, which, which is to say the fact that Kubrick took the story of The Shining. Um, there's a lot of stuff that is iconic that Stephen King never wrote that Kubrick did. Yes. That I feel like is very important to bring up. Now that Kubrick has created some really amazing stuff until The Shining. There are visuals from the Kubrick movie that are used to this day in other things. There yeah, that are, are iconic. Yeah, they're iconic. The go, Danny going down the hallway in the tricycle and coming across the twin girls. Yeah, yeah never in the book. Never but. in the book, but... So, kind of piggybacking on, you know, how Stanley the Stanley Kubrick movie looked overall. Yeah. Um... This isn't necessarily a freaky fact that I found in my exploration, my exploration, (laughs) my exploration of facts. Um, This was actually something that I saw. um, A this was a Disney Channel, like remember the Disney Channel original like TV shows that they had. Like there was Wizards of Waverly Place, like Halloween Town, and Halloween Town. There was all like the little under the bed, which is still don't look under the bed. Oh my god. Um, but yeah. Also, gay gender fluidity. Oh, I Mm -hmm. I actually haven't seen that in a very long time, but yes. Really great gender fluidity. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, um, there's a little TV show called Jess, and it was about this babysitter who goes to babysit these rich kids who live in a penthouse. And for their Halloween episode one year, they literally did a Shining parody. For the Disney Channel. For the Disney Channel. It, (laughs) like, I watched it, and I was like, did I just watch a Disney Channel version of The Shining? Like, it involves the twins. It involves the... Elevator? The elevator, but instead of it, be, instead of it being blood, it's fruit punch. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> but there's the twins. There's the elevator full of red liquid. There's literally, we're, like, shot for shot, tail for tail. It is literally the Shining, Stanley Kubrick Shining, but Disney-fied. Well, I think that's something that I've, I've had to come to grips with, uh, for me, is, like, I am such a hardcore King fanatic. Like, I still get pissy at the ending of the movie Cujo. And if you haven't read the book, uh, let's just say the ending of Cujo is not the book ending. <laughs> Actually, go in the opposite direction. The complete opposite direction. The kid dies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Brutally. Of dehydration. Ugh. In wow. the movie or the book? In the book. Oh my god. And she's she's not aware her son has died. Oh, it's brutal. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but it, it took me a very long time to kind of come off my clove cigarettes beret pale horse of, like, OG hipster. And accept the fact that movies can take a different thing. And I will say that about the Kubrick film. (laughs) Is The Shining has a place with horror fans and with Stephen King fans and stuff like that. But the Kubrick film, uh, it's in Disney. It's in fucking uh, Simpsons and South Park and Scooby-Doo and... Every single CW show and family comedy that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like I've mentioned a couple of times, 
um, I, you know, I watched the show Riverdale, and I would literally send you pictures of, like... The, this, the, the shining carpet. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. the shining carpet was literally the same... It was their pillowcase and uh, comforter in Veronica's cabin. And uh, it's not a shining reference, but they, you know... Um, in one of the episodes where they play D&D, they do an it reference where they have their little losers club and... Somebody's got the cast. Yeah, I think it's Juggy's dad has the cast and it literally says, loser, lover. Hmm. Aww. Well, I think, especially with the Kubrick film, it is its own entity. And it, as I said earlier, it's got iconic images. And what I will say about Kubrick is cinematography... He was a mastermind. He was very good at the long-range shots, mm-hmm. and he was very, very good at the building unease. And I think a, a great thing right now about uh, what our podcast is, um, we're, we're a feminist podcast, we're three feminists, three women sitting here, um, is we kind of get, in a weird way, the best and the worst of both worlds yeah. in mm-hmm. discussing the miniseries and book. And the Kubrick. Yeah. Because we're kind of getting to deal with this really great version of uh, two women who are very, very different. Uh, but in the end, however they start, are strong, powerful women. For whatever reason they both are. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Let's kind of get in to Shelley Duvall and her, because as the Kubrick movie is very, it's an hour and a half versus uh, when we get into the miniseries in the book. Shelley Duvall's entrance, I feel like, is very quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's very dismissive, which I feel like says a lot about how they structure her character. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that, because I feel like her the way that they portrayed her in, in the Kubrick movie, she just seems very dismissive, very kind of, like, meek. Yeah, and I... I and I, that's why I was saying she, in, in this particular uh, version of The Shining, or The Shining... <laughs> the she, Shining. She is portrayed as the victim. She's very much the victim. I, I could have, even with Shelley Duvall's uh, physical appearance with, mm-hmm. like, her very, very big eyes, and mm-hmm. she's got that very stringy hair. Um, and her clothes e- are very baggy. It just e- yeah. Even if you look at her scene in the original film with Hollerand, when she's, like, going through the kitchen, uh, she's very scared to touch things. Mm-hmm. She's very scared to move things. Um, and and it's, it's not so much discussed in the Kubrick version, but um, I feel like you get the idea that Jack Torrance... Uh, has been physically abusive to her. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, considering he, they, it's, he mentions being abusive, at least on accident, to Danny. But he never says anything about being abusive prior to Wendy. Mm-hmm. And yet, that feeling is there. In, in the Cooper version, definitely. I feel like you, you get that... Uh, scared mousy feeling mm-hmm. from her yeah yes. the very meek scared mousy feeling yeah of like i i don't want to talk loud i don't want to it might upset him it's it's it, i feel like you just perfectly described it ashy is i don't want to upset him yes so i don't want to do anything that would upset jack yeah uh where uh 
and we'll get into the miniseries, that's the fucking polar opposite of Wendy. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I, I do feel like as much as you don't get a slow decline into terror, um, I will say Shelley Duvall, in those very beginning scenes of the Kubrick film, put terror into you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's, it's particularly because I'm a woman or I've been, well, the first time I watched this film, I was 14? No, 15. Yeah, I watched The Shining. Uh, I, I watched the last half of The Shining alone in a room when I was 15. Oh, jeez. I didn't sleep that night. My parents woke up to find me in the kitchen with all the lights on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um... But I, I do feel like Shelley Duvall does such an amazing job of setting you up scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, like, in the miniseries in the book, you, you the fear rises. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Jack Torrent, or uh, Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrent. Jack is Jack. Mm-hmm. La, la, la. Uh, he, he sets off kind of an unhinged person, but I feel like without Shelley Duvall's portrayal, of her being so freaked and so scared, you wouldn't kind of get the consequence or the heaviness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like she really puts in a heaviness from her first fucking scene. Yeah. Where I don't feel like Jack Nicholson's character could have been half as scary without how well Shelley kind of imbued that fear into you. I want to say from the get-go, she kind of exhibits this sense of defeat. Yeah. Like, she's already been broken. And, I mean, being married to that version of Jack Torrance would probably break the strongest woman. Mm -hmm. And it's not surprising. I mean, what brings to mind is the scene when he's writing and he just speaks to her so disrespectfully. And yes, by that point, you're supposed to believe the hotel's got him already, but she doesn't speak back to him. Well, she doesn't even do that in the beginning. Uh, you kind of get that idea of when she, he is like, I got the job at the hotel, which I'm, I'm saying, like, I, I, I love my husband. No, we might survive it. Never mind. Me and Josh might actually thrive alone in a hotel. For like six months. And to be honest, I think you would be the one that would be fucked by the ghosts. Of course I'd be fucked by the ghosts. I'm me. <laughs> but I'm also saying I'm like a halfway sane individual. And I feel like if I was like, somebody was like, yes, you get to go. I'm, I'm saying not the Overlook Hotel. But I'm just saying if like jo- Josh and I had to go to a hotel for six months where you we were snowed in. I'm like, I feel like a lot of weird sex and a lot of strange, like, new girl style games would be invented. Okay, if the hotel wasn't haunted, then yes. I think the the presence of a child would change things. <laughs> Especially if your child is psychic. Well, okay, I, but I'm, I'm going, I'm going <laughs> I know, I know, with <laughs> uh, the idea that the beginning of the movie, uh, I believe in the shinning. Okay, we're going to refer to the Kubrick film as The Shining. Okay. And the miniseries as The Shining. Welcome to your language lesson for the day. Uh, Keep up. In The Shining, it's it's said that Grady murdered his wife and two daughters. Mm -hmm. Right in the beginning. Uh, You don't really know more 
about that. You just know that the last gameskeeper or winter gameskeeper killed his wife, killed his kids. Groundskeeper. Groundskeeper. Mm. Gameskeeper. The winter gameskeeper. Hagrid came in and <laughs> killed his wife and children. Oh, God. Flew off on Norbert. Not Norbert. Anyone but Norbert. Oh, Norbert. Oh, dear. Uh, but, so, to to go with the idea that uh, when he doesn't know jack shit about murder or what or where or yeah. creepy dog face fucking uh, by, uh, what, well, we'll get into that in two days. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. That's a little... That's gonna be a long conversation about that character. A long conversation. Oh my gosh. Uh, but she... She doesn't know when it's haunted. She doesn't particularly know where it is. She just kind of has this opinion of, okay, I feel like it's not even, like, that. that is my Shelley Duvall impression, which I am so sorry, Shelley Duvall. <laughs> it sounds like such a cunt. Uh, but it, it's not just a giving up feeling. I feel like it's absolute apathy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like giving up is more like, I want to fight, but uh, I'm so tired. Where Shelley Duvall, like, she doesn't give a fuck and she's just scared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be my own opinion. But opinions on this podcast? No, right? (laughs) For shame. To be honest, after reading about the way that Kubrick directed that film and what he put Shelley Duvall through, a part of me really does feel like that was deliberately Stanley Kubrick's way of what he wanted. Just Wendy to break her down completely. Yeah. He he saw Wendy in the book and decided, I don't like that. And he made Shelley Duvall into what he wanted Wendy to Kubrick be. Kubrick breaking down a powerful woman I and know, like right? emotionally abusing her? Who does Never! Kubrick's <laughs> never done. He's never oh, had overly sexualized tones in any of his films regarding women. Or BDSM tones. Never! Abuse and rape and stuff like that. He's never done anything like that. Clockwork Orange. One second. Let me sip the whiskey with Pinky out. Oh, I finished my whiskey. Yeah, wait until uh, episode two. The (laughs) refill. The refill. (laughs) Episode two. The refill. The fuckery. Um, So, I feel like that's, that's a good way to start off with Wendy. Um, let's let's move into so we'll go from like Wendy to Jack to Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move into the mini series version of Wendy because I know Ash, Ashy, <laughs> you had originally only seen the Kubrick version. Mm-hmm. So what was your really reaction about seeing the mini series version of Wendy for the first time? Honestly, I absolutely fucking loved this version of Wendy. I was like, she still kind of has that like. Okay, you know, like, my husband is a drunk psychopath, but I'm gonna deal with it. Mm-hmm. She's very, not, like, you know, she's not like, oh no, he's drunk, I, I'm terrified, I can't, like, she's still like, okay, you're drunk, we need to just stay away from our, our son. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot be near our son. Like, she's very protective over Danny, she's very, 
very much like, um... She's a mama cougar. Yeah, she's a mama cougar. Yeah. Exactly. She's very protective, and she sets boundaries. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah, I absolutely love this version of her. Um, random little tidbit about that actress. Rebecca De Mornay, if you guys have watched the show Lucifer, she plays Chloe's mother. Huh. Oh, shit, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. I was kind of watching this going... She looks familiar, but I cannot figure out why, and it's because this was, she was a lot younger then. Yeah. But, huh. She's... So there's there's M. Grimm's random little tidbit. Um, also, you, you get this idea that um, Wendy's not beyond uh, dipping at any point. Like, you get yeah. the scene in the miniseries in the book where she's, she's checking his iced tea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like it's a very important, it's a very small scene. Yeah, the, like, it's, and it's in the beginning, too, because it's, like, she, I think she hears... Uh, he, Danny says, like, Daddy got the job, and he runs out, which is a huge difference, also, about the mm-hmm. fact that the parents are aware that Danny... Danny is psychic. Yeah. Danny is psychic. He's special. Well, Jack doesn't really want to call it anything where Wendy's, like, all aboard yeah. the psychic train, but she's, she's checking his desk, she smells the tea... She asks him, has Dan, Daddy been drinking? Mm-hmm. Uh, you very much get this idea where with the Shelley Duvall thing, um, uh, any trigger warnings in what I'm going to say will involve rape and kind of coarse language. Uh, I feel like you could have had a scene where Jack Torrance viciously rapes Wendy, and I don't think it would have changed Wendy coming to the Overlook. Yeah, I definitely... I definitely agree with that, because she would just be like, okay, we have to, you want to go, we have to go. Uh, but you, you get such a stronger opinion of Wendy, where it's not just abuse, it's not just language, it's if you have a drink, if you talk bad to our son, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And it it's shown quickly, mm-hmm. concisely, and not overtly, which I feel like is... The difference between the Kubrick and the miniseries and book. Because mm-hmm. I kind of look lump the book and miniseries into one. There are a few discrepancies. Very few. Uh, that I will bring up, and I have a, a big issue with a few. Um, but the, the discrepancies are large. Uh, but you get this idea that, that Wendy is, uh, she, she's a mama tiger. Mm-hmm. She, she will tear Jack to fucking pieces. Mm-hmm. If any of this shit happens. Um, also, I feel like the, the big thing that that shines for me so hard in the Kubrick version. Oh, it shines for you? It shines for me. <laughs> um, and I'm going to ask this question, I think, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to let you guys stew on this idea. of uh, If Jack had never gone to the Overlook, would he remain a good father? Yeah. I think, I mean, do you want us to stew on this for a bit, or do you yeah, want Yeah, I want you guys to stew now? on that for a little okay, bit, because okay. I feel like that's a stewy. That is a stewy question. A stewy question. It's got to simmer uh, for a minute. But I, I feel like with, when you first see Jack, you first see Wendy, there's there's still, like, flirtatious love. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was something I actually wanted to bring up, was the fact that in the miniseries, 
they act like a married couple. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing of them going up to the Overlook when, like, she's, like, uh, when he's, like, okay, God, you can paint. We'll make a room for you to paint. Mm-hmm. He's outwardly trying to give her something to make her want to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on the drive up, when they're getting there, they're very cutesy, they're kissing, they're holding hands. They pull over at, like, a lookout point to go look at the And they're view. snuggling. It feels like a genuine family. Yeah. It, it does, but also I feel like uh, where the Kubrick version, uh, you get an undertone of uh, not malice, but, like, deception from Jack. I feel like you get this from Wendy. I don't know. I would I would disagree with you. I feel like there's a genuine undertone of malice. For Jack? For Jack towards Wendy. No, no, no. I'm saying the Kubrick version. There's yeah. an undertone of, of malice with Jack towards Wendy. Yeah. Where in the original and in oh. the miniseries, I feel like there is that undertone, but I feel like it's Wendy towards Jack. I would agree yeah. with you there. I feel like for in the miniseries, Jack feels... I don't want to say malice. I'm trying to come up with a good word to describe it. He feels like she's accusatory towards him, despite the fact that he keeps trying to change. Yeah. yeah. And it's frustration. But I don't feel like it's 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 redemption. It's, it's anger out of, like, regret. Yeah. Where I feel like Wendy does have that, like... Perhaps indignation. Yeah, indignation's a good word for it. But I feel like Wendy more has that feeling of, like, I will snap and cut you. Well... Trust has been broken with him doing what he did. But I feel like that that's a powerful thing to show a woman being like, I'll slice your throat. And I feel like you get that from the get-go with Wendy. Wendy will will kill Jack. Yeah. Well, this was something that we spoke about even in the Carrie episode. The way Stephen King writes women is so believable. And it almost... I mean, I know we, we mentioned this in the Carrie episode of just like how... He gets into a female mindset that very few male authors can do, in my opinion, anyway. That when you read Wendy, and when you see Wendy in the miniseries, it's like, okay, that is a mother. She is, she knows what she's about. She's been a mother for seven odd years, and she is ready to protect her child. That is her first priority. She may love Jack, but... Danny is her life. Danny Mm -hmm. is her life. How did you feel, Ash, kind of getting to see Wendy in those scenes after only knowing the Kubrick movie for so long? I'm I'm really curious about when, like you and Wendy. <laughs> um, I mean, like I said earlier, I she's probably my favorite adaptation of Wendy, and it's the one in the miniseries. Um, and like to kind of piggyback on what M was saying is that you definitely get that feeling of like. She will do whatever it takes to protect her son. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, she loves her husband, but if he fucks up, and do you, do you get a feeling that she's aggressive towards Jack, or is that just me? A little bit. Mm-hmm. I I do feel that like she's a little bit aggressive towards Jack, but it's again, it's just she's she's very much on she's on high alert, like constant. Yeah, because she's, she's like, a prairie dog. Yeah, she doesn't know. If Jack's gonna drink again, she... I want to say she's almost on the defense. Yeah. Like, immediately. Yeah, she's just, like... 
you know, he's excited about getting this new job, but she doesn't know if he might slip again. Or Do you have AA meetings? Where's are, your yeah. chip? How yeah, she's constantly making sure that like, he's staying. How are you going to be able to talk to your sponsor? Yeah, you know, she's making like that. sure that he's staying on track with everything he needs to do to stop being an alcoholic. And I feel like uh, Jack absolutely resents that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he's just like, even when she asks him, she's like, okay, she's like, that's great, babe. I'm really excited that you have the job, but are you going to be able to go to AA meetings? He's like, Yes, there's A meetings in wherever the whatever the the town outside of. But I I also feel like uh, the hotel is Jack in the mini series and in the book. Um, he's aware of why she's doing this. You're just being a bitch, or you're just being that. But I feel like an interesting thing in the mini series in the book is he still greets things with that aggression mm-hmm. of that like fuck you. Screw. Valid. Like, he's aware of how far he's fallen. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's a very different character. Of not just how the character goes, but very different portrayal between Nicholson and... Steve Weber. Thank you, because if you listen to this podcast all, you know I don't... Yeah. Remember actors' names at all. Would we like another little M. Grimm tidbit? Yeah. Stephen Weber played Harker in Dracula Dead and Loving It. He did. He did. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Because mm-hmm. he's got one of my favorite scenes in any movie is because, <laughs> if you don't know, it's about Dead and Loving It. Stephen uh, Weber was not aware of the amount of blood that was going to shoot out of Lucy. Hmm. So if you watch the scene, Dracula Dead and Loving It, when he gets shot with blood, mm-hmm. he is legitimately shocked. <laughs> and then Mel Brooks says, I think she's almost dead. Hit her again. And he hits her again and gets shot in the face. <laughs> and then the famous line, which Stephen Weber has broken once on camera. And it's, Mel Brooks goes, one more time, and he loses his entire accent and goes, She's dead enough! <laughs> and actually walked off set. <laughs> he was that, like, oh my fucking god. <laughs> Wasn't angry, was was rather jovial about it, but oh, he yes. was just like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of my favorite scenes of all time, but yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, but we, we discussed that on our Dracula episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, you, you get this idea that Stephen Weber's version of Jack, um, he's angry at himself. Mm-hmm. Some of it gets put on to Wendy, some of it gets put on to Danny, but the person he's pissed off at the most is himself. Yeah. Can I talk for a second about Stephen Weber's Jack Torrance and what... I really, really like about his version is that not only is has does he have that underlying rage that you can see mm-hmm. in his eyes, which he is very good at portraying that, mm-hmm. but when he doesn't have that, he is genuinely a charismatic, fun guy. He does voices. He sings. He'll be silly for his son and his wife. He is, when he's charming... You love him. Yeah. Like, he even makes, they even make the joke when they, you know, I know we are discussing before the hotel, but we're kind of discussing the dynamic that the family has. 
Um, like right when they get to the hotel, they make the joke about the hedge the hedges. Oh, yes. Those are you know. Well, we're we're discussing French up until they're alone. Yeah. So once Holleran and everyone has left, that's kind of what we're discussing. Right when they get to the hotel, they kind of make the joke about the the hedges being very well trimmed. Yes. And he makes a sex joke about trimming, you know, Mrs. So and So's hedges and. Yeah, he's like, I had a job once, so and Mrs. Uh, blah, 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 and Wendy kind of, like, punches him in the arm, and she's like, dude! Which and definitely brought back memories of my parents when I was a kid, and my dad would crack very dirty jokes, and my <laughs> mother would be like, William! <laughs> and it would be, I mean, I got that feeling. You you get the idea that, um, like I said, I prose the idea, and I want to bring it up at the end. Um, but you get the idea of when they get there, Jack is doing everything he can. To make it fun for both, to make to, it, everything to, to perfect. Be good. To be good. Yeah. For it to be good. And, um, we, we discussed Wendy a little bit. Um, for Jack, I, I feel like, um, uh, in the Kubrick film, they, they slightly discuss his history of, like, a writer and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but you get so much more of a feeling with the Weber version, with the miniseries, of, th- this is, like, a life goal for him to write. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that, and they, they want it to happen, and I feel like, uh, they're, uh, Wendy and Jack are kind of seeing this as the renaissance of their marriage, possibly. Would you get scenes later where Wendy's, like, trying to seduce him and trying mm-hmm. to be sexy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you kind of get the idea the whole family is taking this as, um... A as second a, chance. A second mm-hmm. chance. Yeah. Um, and, of course, nobody is taking it as hard as our main character, or who I consider really to be the main character, uh, Danny. Yeah. So, a big thing that has to be discussed is the kid that played the original Danny in the Kubrick version. Mm-hmm. Never read the full script. Okay. Was not aware it was a horror film. Yeah. Oh my. And uh, the director had to make sure that he... Never would, saw. Yeah, never like, knew that it was a horror film. Wow. I he was very, did not know yeah, that. Yeah, the director Kubrick was... for as fucked up, and I mean as fuck, we will get in the shit he did Shelly Duvall later. Mm. And the guy that played Hollerand. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he was so good to the kid that played Danny. Uh, when the kid that went play Danny saw the film, he screamed and had to be escorted out of the theater. My god. Because he was so unaware. Wow. Yeah. Of what he, he thought he was, uh, we discussed it in, uh, Carrie. The fact that the mom thought it was a dark comedy. Oh, yeah. He thought it was a drama. Oh. He thought it was a drama. Oh. That's he what had the kid no thought. idea that it was actually, like, a legitimate horror film. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, that kid was sheltered. Well, I mean, I guess perhaps that's a good way of getting genuine reactions. Yeah. Out of a child actor, especially. Well, what I, what I was going to say is, uh, I, I feel that that leads to the two different types of Danny you get in this film. Um, and, cause in the miniseries, you get this, uh, baby Buddha. Little bit. Little baby Buddha. Danny. Danny. the cheeks. So, freaky fact. Oh, we have another one. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Well, we have two about each Danny. 
Ah. But since we're talking about Baby Buddha Danny real quick. Baby um, Buddha Danny. Baby Buddha Danny. <laughs> the actor is uh, Cortland Mead. Cor- ah. Yeah, Cortland Mead played Uh-huh. Yes, because uh, the they, they, make, they make some fucking joke where he goes like, uh-huh, at one point, and I'm like, yes, uh-huh. Yeah, like, he literally, like, I was watching it, I'm like, and then he said, uh-huh, I'm like, oh my god, he's uh-huh from the Little Rascals uh-huh. movie. <laughs> it's so funny, though, random aside, I did not recognize him from the Little Rascals movie, I recognized him from Dragon World. Now, did you guys see that movie? The fact that I just, like, exhaled. Yes. I've never seen that movie, but I want to. It's, it's 80s. Horrible. <laughs> but it was my childhood and I loved it to death. But I kept looking at this kid going, I know those cheeks. That's Where what I was doing too. Cheeks? And then finally when he said uh-huh, I was like, that's it. Yeah. Um, so baby Buddha Daddy. Uh he he's so aware that it it's almost painful, I feel like, for me. Because he's aware that his dad hurt him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's aware that daddy and mommy aren't doing well. Mm-hmm. They're aware that daddy and mommy might lose their house. He's so, so aware. It, it hurts me because I have such issues with, like, I've had the conversations about, like, my two, like, hard lines if I ever have kids. When I ever have kids are A, Dinner is at a table, no TV, family time. Because mm-hmm. I feel like the whole other idea is weird. And my second thing is, like, Josh and I would never fight in front of them. Because I feel like that, that makes kids pick a side. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's fucked up to do small children. I mean, but he's he's so, not even picking a side, yeah. but, like, baby Buddha. He is aware that daddy has a drinking problem. And he may not be cognitively aware of, like, my father is an alcoholic. He's like, daddy has a bad habit he's trying to stop. Yeah. He knows something is wrong. And yeah. The, the one thing that I was very impressed about with the way Cortland Mead played Danny was he was able to express the knowledge in his facial expression. Yeah. So like, you knew this kid knew what was up. And when he would speak, it was like, this is an older soul in a little kid's body. Well, uh, um, also, uh, to, to bring into, uh, to Danny, Tony. Yeah. Tony is a completely different thing, because in, uh, the Kubrick version, we'll get into Danny in the Kubrick version in a second, uh, he, he doesn't come until the end. He had, he's briefly mentioned as your friend Tony. Mm-hmm. Where very, very quickly you get the idea Tony is some sort of apparition he is seeing. That is giving him messages from the beyond. He's cute as hell in the freaking... Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's fine. Yeah, the miniseries. The series. I you thought he was cute. You two are weird. Honestly, I don't if know. I pick, if I had to pick between... Uh, Jack and Tony, though, I'd probably put Jack. You're about that Steven Weber life? Yeah. I'm gonna go with Tony. And by Tony, I mean Ewan McGregor. Okay, so (laughs) so we're talking Dr. Sleep here. Okay. You guys, nobody called him. I get him. 
Nobody called him. I claimed him. Okay. Nobody claimed him. Okay. It's fine. I licked him. You had fun. <laughs> now I'm here to find you and regret to lick him. <laughs> he's mine. I licked him. He's, he's probably driving a yellow. is locked up in jail. <laughs> Just go look for a yellow Volkswagen. He loves those. Um, but t- you, you get the idea. Tony is something that he's aware of. Uh, I know next month we are going to do the Doctor Sleep episode. You actually said Doctor Sleep this time. Good job. I did say Doctor Sleep. You didn't Doctor say Doctor No Sleep. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, right, cause I keep saying shit for Doctor Sleep, and I actually had a freak out today because I thought it was out. Oh, no, night. And I was like, oh, no, I can't be, like, none of this film can be ruined because, like, I'm only halfway down with the book. Do I need to go home and be like, fuck off, I need to read? Um... It's still a week. I still, I think I have 11 days to fucking finish the book. It's going to be a fucking undertaking. Uh, but you get the idea that uh, Tony exists outside of Danny. Yeah. Tony is this other thing that just popped my elbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the idea Danny's aware. Danny knows a lot more. And that Danny um, cares. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tony is kind of portrayed as Danny's imaginary friend in the miniseries. Yeah. He's this floating dude that he's named says, Yeah, he's named after his plush dog. Yes. And he's this semi-attractive floating dude who kind of looks like a college kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is, in the miniseries, there is that scene where Wendy's talking to the doctor and the doctor mentions, oh, was t- I have a feeling Tony was a friend an actual friend back in Vermont. And he says, she says yes. And she says yes, but they never actually go into that. So you the idea Tony was an actual friend, Tony's dog, Tony's... You get this idea Tony could be a hundred different things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get that where because the kid who plays Danny in the Kubrick version was not aware of the film he was making, was not aware of the script, um, you get this almost... Uh, at least in my opinion, Spectrum style, Danny? Yeah. A little bit. Where, um, like, Ashley, I know you work with kids that are on the Spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like Danny almost comes across that way, and it's not so much because he is Spectrum, but because um, he doesn't know things, so he kind of has those vacant looks. I could see that. Yeah. Oh, God. I just kind of thought of one of the kids in my current classroom. I could see him as Danny. Mm. Well, I mean, it's interesting <laughs> how in the Kubrick film, he portrays Tony as, like, his finger. Yeah. And so, freaky like, fact. Oh. About the finger. <laughs> um, that was not a director's choice. Oh. Huh. Little... Danny something. His name's actually Danny. Danny plays Dan. Danny played Danny and Jack played Jack in the in the Kubrick film. All right, Kubrick, you're getting a little lazy here. <laughs> um, Danny actually did that in his first audition for Danny. Ah, okay. It was just it was a little thing that he decided that I'm going to talk to my thumb, and my thumb is going to be Tony, with a very right. creepy voice. But yeah, he I don't he want to go, Mrs. Torres. Yeah, but he literally, that's what he did. Okay. I mean... That was that was an actor choice, not a director choice. That That's very interesting to know, actually. That does kind of change the perspective of that a little mm-hmm. bit. 
Yeah, and I feel like it's a it is a kind of time saver. Um, you you can't do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, uh, the last person I kind of want to discuss in this. Oh, oh! I just looked at my notes. I have a freaky fact. Oh, uh, Ella's got a freaky uh, fact. I have a freaky fact. Uh, Commissioner Gordon from the Tim Batman films is the original maintenance man. In the, in the miniseries where they're showing him around, it's the commissioner. It, that's Jeff Gordon. Wait, from the Tim Burton Batman? Yes. Yeah. No, I, it's not that one. It's I think it's I think you're talking about the is it that one? I thought it was. Yeah, that's Commissioner Gordon. One because I remember like seeing something about that where it was like because Jack plays the Joker. Yep. And that it's it's the same guy. Huh. I. I, I did not know that. That's completely Josh. Interesting. Um, so the last person I kind of want to bring up is Hollerant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let, let's go through the Kubrick version. It's a little bit shorter. Um, in the Kubrick version, Hollerant's kind of just seemed to be this, this old, kind of wise black man. Yeah. Who handles the kitchen and he knows Danny shines. But it, 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 it feels very rushed. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was something that uh, Kubrick took from the book The Shining and then, like, hammered into, like, a five-minute segment to put it in there. Yeah. I get the feeling, watching the Kubrick version, that he kind of didn't even want Hollering in there. Yeah. Well, Just, I like, mean, Hollering Kubrick is, is Kubrick. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell Kubrick didn't want him there. And it, but the thing is, you can't have the story without him. Well, yeah. because why would you ever have the phrase, The Shining? Exactly. Yeah. So he's a very important character. You can't. But you know. Kubrick just kind of threw him away in so many ways. It's, Stay tuned for episode three where I yell about this. It's a shame. Uh, but let, let's go into the miniseries version of Hollerend then. Just because it won't hurt me as much. <laughs> uh, the miniseries version of Hollerin, you get the idea that I feel like is, is very, very important that the Kubrick movie attempts, but doesn't hammer in, is the idea of how hard Danny shines. Yeah. Yeah. Is It's the idea of, like, he doesn't just shine a little or shine eh. He literally, like in the miniseries, he says, like, you could have killed me if you screamed at top volume. Well, no, he was like, he's like, he even kind of asks him, he's like, let's test your shine. Because I can tell you, you can shine a lot. So let's test it. Scream as loud as you can, but using the shining. And I think he says, hello, and breaks yeah. his taillight. And he's like, whoa. And his nose starts bleeding, yeah, and then he says, bleeding, like, that wasn't as hard as you tried. He yeah. Like, he says, no, you're I got holding s- back, weren't you? And he says, yeah. I got scared. Yeah. And rightfully so. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's this idea that Hollerand is aware of what the overlook is, but because he shines so much lower, uh, the overlook can't pull. And I feel like that, that's the third, or the fourth character we really kind of have to discuss in this, like, prequel 
episode or this, yeah. this part one. Uh, the idea that the Overlook Hotel uh, is a being. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot in any way take this film without taking Overlook as its own character. I would call it its own entity. It's yeah, it's entity. not necessarily yeah. a character. It's, a it's an entity. It's an entity, entity yeah. you know. With many tendrils that lead to many different forms. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Cthulhu. Uh, yeah, but, so you kind of get the idea that the Overlook, uh, how, uh, Holleran dealt with it is Holleran shines at 1% of what Danny shines at 100. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Holleran's very much like, it can't hurt you, just look away from it. Count to 10. It's like, no, he says it's... Close your eyes and count, count to 10. Count to 10. Think of it as... Pictures in a book. Pictures in a book, yeah. Uh... The idea is that's all. It could probably pull off Hollerant. It could do anything else. Yes. So Hollerant, I feel like, in, in leaving, feels very comfortable with his notes towards Danny. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because he's never seen the Overlook interact with somebody that much. He he doesn't know. So I feel like that's a constant critique I get. Mm-hmm. And I see online. Is did Holleran leave Danny to die? And a lot of people make the argument of like, was Holleran aware of what was going to happen to Danny? Um, and Holleran, who had the shining, left this kid in this place. Uh, and I'm like, I, I, I can't, I don't agree with that because I feel like uh, Holleran probably had the biggest shine in that whole hotel. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, the only one that had it, so yeah. yeah. Maybe some guests might have had it. Uh, but uh, he's he's unaware of what it's capable of. Yeah. I, I think even to a degree, the hotel is unaware. That is an interesting concept. But people argued, did Holleran know? Because, uh... Not in the miniseries, but in the book. Uh, Holleran does try to convince his parents mm-hmm. to let Danny come with him to Florida. Mm-hmm. Where, like, in the miniseries, he's like, oh, you're gonna come with me down to Florida. In the book, Dick is like, no, come with me. Like, he's terrified yeah. for Danny. Yeah. Which does kind of lead to the idea that he knows what... What could happen? Would happen? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't think at any point Hollerand could ever expect what does. Yeah, he didn't do it maliciously. I don't feel like he meant to do it on purpose necessarily, but it was also like, you want to stay with your family. Fine. Okay, that's, that's fine. You could do that. But protect your family. You need to be strong and protect your family. I think... Especially in the miniseries, you can see an actor, the way he's behaving and acting, he is on alert. Mm-hmm. But he's not sure what's going to happen. Right. But he's uneasy about it. Yeah. Uh, I think one of my favorite things uh, I wrote down in my notes is the fact that the moment you see Dick, he notices Danny and uh-huh. it's very unnerved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, I feel like, such a great little background scene of this character of just being like, eh? Yeah. Um, I feel like Dick doesn't want Danny to be there. 
Oh, 100%. Uh, he's uncomfortable about it, but he also is aware that he doesn't really have an option. Yeah. He doesn't have the power to be like, no, you're coming with me, or no, don't stay here, or no, don't do this. So he gives him the best tools he can. Um, and uh, in the original version and in the miniseries, uh, while Grady does go crazy and you get the idea that the Overlook has fucked with people in the past, uh, Grady did not have twins. He did kill his kids. They were not twins. They were not the Shining Dolo, like, all that yeah. stuff. Uh, but you get the idea of when Danny comes in. Um, that's something the, sh- the Overlook has never experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as much as Jack and Wendy and Danny are all looking forward to the future, I think such a big thing about the end of that first act of the film is uh, a gleeful contentment in all four parties. Including the hotel? Including the hotel. I love that. That's I like very that. poetic. Yeah, I can, and I can see that too. Oh, I thank you. I know. I'm deliciously well. evil. But since we're on the subject of Holleran, I am, you know, quote me here, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he actually is supposedly a part of the It universe. Of course, I mean, Stephen King, all of the universes co- yeah. go inside, but he apparently was in the bar that got burned down and Mike's father or no. grandfather, someone saved him. Is that not true? Not that I'm aware of. I remember reading something about that. It he... might be true, and it might be, like, a one-off sentence, but it also might be, like, Hollerand was saved, and it might be a different Hollerand. That could very well be the case. That's also a big issue in Stephen King's universe, is a lot of times he'll uh, have families. Or he'll reuse names and things like he that. He doesn't reuse names. It's the Hollerands connected. Gotcha. But the same way Holleran says, like, my grandma had The Shining. Right. It could very well be uh, it was his brother or his cousin. Gotcha. That was drawn to Derry. Okay. Uh, but I can I can neither confirm nor deny that. I've, I've read it decently recently. Okay. With the, with the fox and socks? I don't know, I'm just trying to... Yeah. I got poetic ones, and now I'm just, like, <laughs> on a roll. Uh, but I don't recall Hollerin being said. Uh, I'll, I'll check in, and I'll, yeah. I'll confirm this As in said, episode that was two. A, that was a, a correct-me-if-I'm-wrong situation, because I, I... I'm curious. It might yeah. be. Um, but I think the, the interesting thing about the end of this first act is the, the joy that you get, and I feel like this is a, a common theme in King novels, is that the first act you get this in Salem's lot, in Carrie, in a lot of the first act being like, yay, look how great we're doing, team! Mm-hmm. Um, this is gonna, like, fast, or not fast forward, rewinding a little bit. You're um, so good at that. <laughs> uh, you kind of mentioned the hotel just very briefly. Yes. Um, the hotel itself, like, the interior shots of the hotel, as soon as they kind of get into the hotel and they're doing the tour and everything, 
The hotel reminded me a lot of the hotel that we visited in Jerome. Oh, the asylum. Mm-hmm. Like, there were certain shots where I was just like, are we at the Overlook? <laughs> no, that is the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. Yes. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, there is a hotel in Jerome that we went and visited that my cleavage got us keys to. <laughs> I'm not lying. My cleavage no, got us her, keys. No, you did. You, you, you pulled... You, you sh- she showed them her she showed them her tickets. Oh. All right, ladies, this is reason A and reason B, and this is reason A and reason B. You're going to give me two keys. I got two keys to two rooms. Fantastic. That's why they call them tickets. <laughs> yep. Um, but we went up there. I would be more scared to stay in that hotel. Uh, it was originally a jail. Yep. And then it was a mental asylum. No, it was a mental asylum. The jail was down the street. The jail's in the street. Uh, the jail broke out and destroyed half of the asylum, and then the asylum caught fire. And then the entire town was deserted, and then in the 70s, hi- hippies came back. And now it's a hotel, and it, it's creepy. It it's, sounds like a ton of bad energy. Oh, it's it's weird. It's, it's a ton of energy. Let's put it that way. There's some good, some bad. Okay, it, so it's one mix. of those towns that you enter and you feel like wherever you go, somebody's watching you. Don't ever let me go there. Okay. I will not have a good time. <laughs> I'll just hold on to you. No, just don't take me there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Overlook definitely has feelings of that. Um, so at the end of this episode, we'll be back tomorrow, so you don't have that much longer to wait. Uh, Jack, Wendy, and Danny all entered the overlook what could possibly happen next find out tomorrow uh, 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 uh. Uh, normally this would be a point in time where we give our whole big spiel uh ashley you just want to just ramble it off real fast yep check us out on facebook twitter instagram and please check out our patreon yeah we just got our very first subscribe which is the amazing creepy Love you. Thank you so much. I, I had a little tear come to my eye in the middle of my job. Uh, check us out tomorrow. We're going to cover uh, the creepy events. Mm-hmm. All the spoops. All the spoops, all the rooms, all the dogs. Uh, <laughs> tune in tomorrow. Same time, same place, same listening, and you will get some more Shining. <laughs>